Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the film cult of the Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, we have another very special episode for you guys. I know we're starting off this new year strong. We're just giving you all the fucking good things. Um, today, we have uh, some very special guests with us to talk about their found footage mockumentary film, Everybody Dies by the End. We have uh, writer-director Ian Tripp. And we have uh, lead actor, funny man, uh, young Kurt Russell himself, uh, Vinnie Curtis. Nice. I'm in. Um, Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, First, I just got to ask, what uh, you guys are both in San Diego? Yeah. Yes. Okay. What's the temperature like there right now? Because I'm currently sitting with five inches of snow and about 30 degrees. It's cold for us, but it's it is uh, seventy degrees. <laughs> That's oh sixty five where I'm at because I'm at the beach. Yeah, you're you're close to the ocean. Yeah, I'm a little right bit more ocean. inland. Um. Yeah. So, so uh, I I kind of uh, th- there's so many questions that I have, and I, I I usually like to to really dive deep into the the people I I'm talking about, but th- there's so many questions about this movie that I kind of want to get right into it. But first, how, how did you guys get together? Because uh, if I if I did my research correctly, um, Vinny, you're in Ian's next two or three movies? I'm Is that correct? From here forward in every one of Ian's projects, ideally. And so far, it's working out pretty good for me. I think, how many am I in now, Ian? Have you counted? All right, so I've, I've only directed three features, uh, but Vinny is in all of them. I, I, I purposely wanted to give him a very, very small role in my second film just to kind of like, I wanted to work with him again. I want him to be in the movie, but I don't want to distract from Alfred Costello. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I think, Vinny, you're in like 45 seconds of Sincerely Saul, but it's a fucking, it's a banger of a 45 seconds. And then in in the third film, Normie, uh, Vinny is probably the, he's the tritagonist. He's the third lead of the film. Yeah, that was the coolest character so far. I, when are you done with that? Are you still? Ed- I mean, you're editing that for how long? Did the editing? It's, like um, it's years worth of editing. Well, it's in the fine cut stage, Normie, and uh, well, we're self distributing uh, a film produced under our, our our banner of Children of Celluloid. Uh, uh, a, a gentleman and a, and a good friend named Sam Sprague. He wrote and directed a movie called Daydreamer. I co-produced it. Vinny's in it. I played the, the main character in it. I'm in that one too. Yep, and so you're in. Every, he, Vinny's in every single one of the movies we've produced, even though I haven't directed them all. And uh, okay, so hopefully we get sincerely Saul out this year. We're gonna get uh, Daydreamer out this fall, and um, and then Normie. I don't want to get too bottlenecked with our releases, and so I'm not gonna really hype it up until 2025. Don't be mad, Vinny. I'm fine. It, I, it'll, I got my it'll own projects going on now. I'm starting to create stuff myself. Absolutely. You're always creating stuff, man. Or I, at least I'm thinking about creating something. <laughs> I never get through it. I'm very ADD. As you can tell by just, I'm always all over the place. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, too, I, I'm, I really want to start a podcast myself, but I can't fit. I want to do it more like a vaudevillian kind of thing. Like there's just like segments, maybe mm-hmm. almost like a, a podcast. Um, I have uh, sure. Vinny. Ha- have you watched? Um, there's an, a podcast called Scissor Bros. It's got Jeremiah Watkins and it's got uh, uh, Steve Lee, Bobby Lee's little brother. And what they do in it is they have like um, very slice of life kind of banter between the two of them. They're very polar opposites. One's a dad who wakes up at six a.m. One's uh, a single forty-something-year-old dude who goes to bed at six a.m. And <laughs> they they have just banter. They voice characters that are like puppets on the set. They do musical moments and they go into sketch comedy. And it's yeah. and then at the very end of the episodes, Vinny, they do yes, yes. Uh, they do Fear Factor Jackass style uh, challenges. All right, I'm writing it down. Yeah, check out Scissor Bros. Scissor Bros. Steal their ideas, <laughs> or at least get inspired by the like you're saying. You want to do vignettes yeah. and like kind of like sketch yeah. podcast. Yeah, you'll need some cameras. Yeah, I'd have a historical chunk. I don't know if you guys saw my uh, Max Keith video on Instagram where I explain who he was. Uh, no, I didn't see that. When was that? I, I, we'll get into it later. I, we okay. don't have. Yeah. Um, how, how did how did how did you guys get together? How did you first meet? Yeah, so I'm gonna hijack the story real quick, and then please do it. Yeah, do you hijack every story? I'm fine. Um, so I think it was 2014, and uh, Max Landis tweeted, uh, "Go to Netflix 
check out a movie called Resolution. Don't even look up the genre, just watch it. And at the time I was writing a movie called We're All Friends Here, which is about a drug addict who turns to his best friend for like a payout when he owes the wrong people some money, which I lifted a lot of that into Normie. Uh, And basically his friends kidnap him and are going to sort of jigsaw style exercise him of his drug addiction. And then I watched Resolution. I was like, holy fuck, it's about a friend who chains up his other friend who's a drug addict and is basically exercising his drug addiction. And I was like, well, I'm not making that movie anymore. <laughs> and But but the big takeaway from it was I just thought the acting was really nice. I just thought like that those were re- like I liked sitting with 90 minutes with those guys. And then I uh, did some Googling. I saw that the, the directors are from San Diego. And then I found uh, Vinny. I, I didn't realize Vinny lived in San Diego until I started running into you at like every Benson Moorhead screening. And I was like, oh, you, you, like, you run bars? I, I remember I was like, what the? F- you, you co-owned Sycamore Den. Yeah. And so just so many little synchronicities clicked. And I just, uh, Vinny and I were friends on Facebook. And I just DM'd him in 2018 because the idea for Everybody Dies came in 2012. But so many different things happened, and uh, a lot of it was making short films and concept films to have the toolbox to make features. Mm -hmm. But then once I felt ready, uh, I hit up Vinny, and um, we worked on the movie on and off for a very long time, and to the point where Vinny was essentially co-authoring the part, and we co-wrote Alfred Costello together, took five years to get it finished. (laughs) And voila, here we are. On yeah. Brendan Jesus's podcast. Is your last name Jesus? It's uh, Jesus. Uh, if, if you can't tell from my overwhelmingly pale complexion, I'm Filipino. Oh, yeah. He very much looks... I was, I, yeah, I thought that. You just didn't want to say it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, I don't see anything now. I don't see gender. I don't see race. You just see we're, the matrix. We're just orbs <laughs> of energy. I just see green code. Yeah, green code, man. You're just zeros and ones to me, dude. Uh, um, so, uh, be, before I refer to your film as, as found footage too much, um, I know that there's, uh, within the, the subgenre, there's, uh, a lot of, uh, tumultuous conversations about whether mockumentary is considered found footage. Some people who make mockumentaries are offended at the term of found footage. Um, some people only refer to their mockumentaries as found, found footage, um, does, does that, does that distinction between the two bother you at all or, or does it not matter? Uh, the blunt answer is I don't give a fuck. Okay. I think I think all of those things are cool, and I think there's so many different types of movies in each of those brackets. Like, this is Spinal Tap is is nothing like what we do in the shadows. And, and mm-hmm. Everybody Dies by the End is as much mockumentary as it is found footage, but it's like, I wouldn't call it found footage like Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity. It's like, there, there's just so many different kinds of beasts, and I, and I, I genuinely love the, the found footage mockumentary genre, and I do think there are there are definitely times when there is a, a distinction like Cloverfield is found footage. Mm-hmm. The, the first half of district nine is mockumentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it, like, if you called it found footage, I, I don't mind. And if you call it mockumentary, I, I, I'd say you're also not wrong. Okay. That's fair. Um, <laughs> so uh, Vinny, you, uh, yeah. we, we, we kind of already brought up uh, Benson and Moorhead and that and that was uh one thing that I, I I did want to talk about they they are genre powerhouses um so and when you I know was all about those guys I mean did you know about those guys before you knew about Ian I'm sorry my back hurt I'm <laughs> no, such a deep couch like the backrest <laughs> is like a mile away from where my knees are no you're good um I saw uh I caught some the back of the you know what I mean um I, uh, I caught something in the dirt at a festival, I think, last year. Is that the first time you saw it? I mean, you saw anything bits and more heady? No, 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 no. I saw um, uh, Spring, right? I'm in that. Yes, yeah, you're, you're in all four of their movies, oh, I right? I had this mustache in that movie. Yep, there's <laughs> yeah, I, was in, I, was, I was in the dirt one, too, but they cut me out of it. I thought my part in, was amazing. But after... They filmed me. They like rewrote the whole movie, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh." They told, you, me, they told me they had a three-hour-plus cut, and a bunch of side characters were entirely lifted from the movie. So bummed out. I'd watch a three-hour cut of that. Yeah, me I would too. too. How, um, uh, Vinny? How how did you uh, how did you get working with them? I was buddies with uh, Justin Benson. Uh, mm-hmm. We worked as PAs for a company called Print Pictures that made casino commercials. Like exclusively casino commercials, <laughs> and uh, I yeah, and so I was 
working there before him. And then I brought him under my wing saying as far as, uh, hey, if you want to, you just got to look busy without doing anything. And then you'll never have to do anything ever. Just walk with purpose and maybe hold something. And then no one's going to ask you to do anything. And I was like telling him how to like get around actually not working at all. And we just kind of became buddies. And uh, I just happened to be like one of his like friends that was also trying to be an actor. So whenever he would write stuff, he would just like use me like for all his mm. short films and little bullshitty things. Not bullshitty in the bad way, but bullshitty. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, just writers are always just like pumping stuff out just to stay active. Yeah. Sometimes you got to work for practice, not just to make like a masterpiece. And then he made a, he made a, uh, um, what's it called? A spec ad when it's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he got money for it. I don't even know, but it was for a, he made a beer commercial with me and Pete. Who was his other actor buddy? Who was the other guy in Resolution? Okay. Absolutely, right? He just like like put us together and made a commercial for us, and we had tremendous chemistry, like right off the bat. And then he wrote Resolution, but he had no money, and he's like, "Well, these actors will work for nothing," and we, you know, we did, having no idea that it was going to make it to Netflix. We didn't. <laughs> even, I just thought my mom was going to see it, and that was that, which yeah. I was totally stoked on. I'm like, "Oh, a feature film? Yeah, I'll pay you to be in it," you know. <laughs> And then, and then here we are. Um, so I, I think that the audience can discern from the first 10 minutes of the show, Vinny, that you are undeniably a comedic genius. You, even your throwaway lines in the past 10 minutes have been fucking hysterical. Can we, can we go back? Say that again. I'm going to film that. Right. <laughs> Hang on for a second. Hang on. Okay. Uh, what was that, Brendan? Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. I was interrupting you. You were talking. Um, yeah, so I was just saying, uh, within the first 10 minutes of this show, I think the audience can say that you are undeniably a uh, comedic powerhouse. What? <laughs> Me? Yes, you this are. guy, Ian. Do you hear what he said? <laughs> a comedic powerhouse? I mean, That's you know, I do what I, I do what <laughs> I can. Ian writes it down. I just try to bring it to life. You know, I, My internet I, connection I, cut out. I think I need to hear what he said one more time. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the, the, the one non-film thing that I want to talk about Vinny is, uh, you know, when, when people go viral, uh, most times it is for something negative. You went viral for kind of pushing back against, against a big corporation. Uh, you went viral for your, uh, Yelp responses. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you, you, you co-owned a bar called... Uh, okay, Thrusters Lounge. Correct? Thrusters Lounge at Pacific Beach. Yeah, we were getting. Uh, we even have a neon sign that says "Fuck Yelp" above it. <laughs> I own this bar with my buddy, and I there's a high school friend of mine. So it's just us two, and you can pretty much get away with anything when you're the boss. And Yelp is it has benefits, but more times than not, it just destroys businesses for no reason like you can get a one-star yelp review for absolutely no reason at all and they don't regulate it at all like anybody will write anything and unless i call yelp like hey man they said horrible shit that's not true at all can you take it off the it's ruining my business they won't mm -hmm. do it i mean they do eventually if it is illegal what they're saying and then imagine us like a, a social influencer tries to review bomb you yeah, for example, social influence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone can have vendettas and just take businesses down and say everybody hate this business. And so we'll get thousands of negative one-star reviews from people that have never been to the business. And that happens all the time. And so it makes a false relationship with the customer and the client. Wait, I, what would I be? The customer and the what? The proprietor? Yeah. There's just a lack of sincerity. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, it sucks. And so I just started writing back authentically to the bad reviews from my perspective, trying to make everybody laugh. And I was drunk half the time I was doing it. So I would make up funny, like, hey, you're a butthole face. And, you know, you have turds for eyes. And I would just say <laughs> ridiculous things to make people laugh. And it exploded. And everyone was coming to the bar who was like a bartender. It made us a local favorite for the industry. Because everyone would say, like, I wish I could talk to my customers yeah. that way. You know? And it's like, well, why can't you? Because it's, we're owned by someone that doesn't mm -hmm. get it. And so I'll get fired right away. But I own it. So, yeah. And at the bar, if you work for me, it's like the customer's never right. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Your your colleagues are right first because they're running the place. So just make sure everyone's on the same page and they're having a good time. Then the customer will just naturally have fun. Well, if any listeners are out in San Diego, go check it out. Um, I know next time I'm in California, I'm definitely coming there for a drink. Where are you? Um, uh, New York. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, said that. Yeah. Sorry if I'm yeah. rambling. I accidentally no, no, took yeah. Adderall way stronger than I thought it was this morning <laughs> for breakfast. And he, <laughs> he don't took, ever he took apologize for being you, man. It was a 30 milligram and I thought it was a 10. And now I'm just like, <laughs> like all over the place. So I apologize. if I Actually, I don't see any difference. I'm cracky yeah. right now. Yeah. I'm not, um, I don't do crack. So, uh, so uh, you, you said that you guys kind of wrote the, the character of Al together. Um, Ian, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a movie called uh, Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. I have never heard of this movie. Please message me that so um, I can watch it. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it was uh, produced by Steve Buscemi in the 70s okay. in New York. And it's about uh, underground filmmakers that are making a movie. Um, and I, from what I remember, someone is paid to document the filmmaking process. And then a third person is paid to document the documentarian. And, okay. and it's, it's all these levels of you'd never know which part of the movie you're actually watching. Yeah. Um, so b- before we get into the writing process, and, and this might be a very obvious answer, so I'm sorry if I sound stupid. No, no, but no, is Al's motivation of hiring uh, Calvin to come, you, I should say, uh, you, you yeah. play um the the physical director in the film um w- was it al's motivation the entire time to have calvin's film be the actual film that's such a good question no one's ever asked us that before ryan and i the co-director we literally said that that calvin's documentary is the real film <laughs> i never thought of that either until just now that's literally something ryan and i decided together and I've never really talked about that with anyone. <laughs> well, clearly the movie never got finished because I wood chipped. I don't want to do any spoilers. No, you're good. But um, are you ever good? Let me ask you a question, Ian. <laughs> are yeah. you ever going to cut together Al's movie or should we make that movie? Can we do like a small version of the actual movie I actually made in its entirety? Do you remember that, remember that script I sent you? Do you remember that script I sent you that you read? No, don't tell me that. Did I read this already and forget? (laughs) (laughs) There's an answer to this question and it's already been done. (laughs) You know what? Hang on. (laughs) Oh, I think this is my favorite. Is it in here? Is it in this one? (laughs) Yes, it is. Damn it. It I know. I fuck. Dude. This is, there's no video, so you can show Brendan. Oh yeah. Okay. Wait, well, I mean, you can sort of see it. What does it oh, say? Oh, no way. I'm not going to say anything, yeah, but no way. Bad, man. Oh, yeah. fuck. Insane. Oh, that's thick, too. This one too. It's funny that you brought him up. No, I'm kidding. Yes, <laughs> we, we're going to get, uh, yeah, Eddie Murphy's going to co-star in it. No, no, I'm just kidding. You believe Eddie Murphy, but he's playing a different donkey's voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so uh okay so i i'm because i i've watched this movie i think five times in the past oh, wow. week uh because i i like i mentioned you ian i'm also uh writing a, a big review of it for horrorpress.com Fuck um, yeah, and uh because yeah no, th- i this movie is spectacular uh i've been having a shitty week and uh uh vinnie the the charisma that you ooze as al the lines the your fucking line it's a chamber piece that has been i i have said that out loud so many times in the past week and nobody knows what the fuck i'm talking about but i'm just well, like it's a chamber you, piece i didn't know what i was saying i still don't even know what that means that line <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean ian <laughs> half the shit he makes me say i was like referencing movie making stuff and i don't know how to make movies or all those movie references and I'm like, I'll just say it, I guess. And he's like, yeah, it'll look great. I'm like, I don't know what I said. And he's like, doesn't matter. <laughs> I, feel like we, I feel like every time we did stop to like go through it together. But at this point, it doesn't even matter because like you did what you needed to do. And yeah. and, and that also, Brendan, that, that means a lot to me that I'm, I'm sorry you've been having a shitty week, but that really does mean a lot to me that like Alfred Costello has has been there for you. It 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 
I and I think uh, I think I, I'm I'm comfortable. I, I, this might kind of be a spoiler. Um, I think that what makes not only Vinny you such a good actor, but what makes Al such a great character is I thought that he was my friend. Like I sat here and I I felt a comfort from not only the way that Al was written, but Vinny how you portrayed him in in knowing now that you guys kind of wrote the character together i see i kind of thought that Vinny, you were just kind of riffing this whole time i was riffing oh i mean obviously i'm not just gonna riff out of my ass oh i am but <laughs> he will throw me like in a specific box he's like okay mm-hmm. go nuts in this confined area i built for al what would al do here and he would give me words to say and i'm like okay i got what al's saying but i gotta say it a little different and i'm gonna probably just kind of find a groove that's what i believe ian meant when he said we wrote it together because he would oh okay i understand he's like he's like a hip-hop dance instructor and he taught me all the stuff and he's like oh get out there and start dancing and i'm like all right man i got it and like but he would like give me the foundation you know what i mean mm-hmm. hip-hop jazz let's call it hip-hop. yeah jazz. maybe or what is this hat thing when you go like this with a that's something new. oh is that that's new Oh here, well, what, what is that? Like that's like Bob Fosse stuff. That's the the yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, Brendan, you have my number now, man. If you ever feeling down, I could always send you like a video quote in the movie for you in real time. <laughs> that, that would honestly that'd make me cry. Yeah, be um, proud of that for sure, man. Vinny needs to be on cameo. Do you not agree? Oh, one thousand percent. Yeah, I'll make eight bucks. I'm like one dollar cameo. Who cares? You know what's a funny story that is unrelated to anything? Tell when I was, I'm, I'm almost 50, but when I was in my early twenties, I worked at a male strip club and for $5, you could get a lap dance from me, <laughs> but I couldn't, I, I have no sex appeal and I couldn't take it seriously. So I would turn the, I'm like, you know, I can't lap dance sexy for you, but I'll, <laughs> fun, I'll make it fun for you. And I would do like these entertaining, goofy non-sexual <laughs> and I was like one of the most popular lap dancing guys because not a lot of people like, like a wiener rubbed on their face at a lap dance. some people just want to dance around and laugh and yeah. you would get a you would get a lap dance and a Polaroid of me for five bucks <laughs> do you have any of those Polaroids the, well no we, we would sell them but it was called the, <laughs> lusty, the lusty lady I worked at I want to see this character in a Magic Mike movie. Yeah, dude. I got no, I, uh, Shout out to Sean Hyde who got me that job. Sean Hyde. I th- I think uh, that character or that that uh, that lap dance character needs to be in your vaudevillian podcast. That's a good idea. And now the lap dance segment, and then it's just a <laughs> a, 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 a reluctant female like oh god okay <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, uh. So talking about. The, the the script. Uh, where where did this idea come from? Did you always want it to be? Was it always um, idealized to be a mockumentary, or did that come at some later point during the writing process? So the very first idea, I think, was it came around like 2012, and it was like the idea of a director who. Okay, so the original idea was that it just like not even a movie idea. It was just like this this fun thought between filmmaking friends of like uh, a director who killed someone in each one of his films. Like, because you know, there's mm-hmm. there's those stories where like uh, I forget which one it is. I think like the, the Ten Commandments or something. There's like a big there's a big um, coliseum scene and someone actually got ran over by a chariot. Oh. Uh, just like these little things that are like truly creepy about filmmaking where like a finished film has a sacrifice in it and so we had this idea of like what if a a director had a stand-in for that actually died in one of the kill scenes for all of his films and then i thought well uh the the movie idea and the character of the director started to bud and i thought well okay you probably couldn't kill someone for each one of your films so it'd it'd probably be something where you build up to it and then you're gonna have to kill everyone for one film and then you start to build backwards as far as like okay this is I'd rather this, I, the idea. It sounds like a slasher film, but really, it's a character piece. And then I, I, I started to think about like how, let, how do we introduce him? Like, like let's do this like kind of cliche, pulpy uh, TV interview. And then I, I thought like, oh well, let's make it archival. And then you think like uh, I want to do a, I wanted to do a sort of Birdman style. Like we're just following all of the action. And then I thought mm-hmm. like mockumentary, documentary would be great for that. And then uh, all kinds of movies were were let in like uh, 
Man Bites Dog, Street Thief, uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, Ooh, good the, movie. Two, the two creep movies, mm-hmm. so many different things that came into play. And then we just, uh, yeah, we, we were writing it on and off for, for a long time. Like uh, the first couple drafts were in 2018 and we shot that opening scene in 2018. And then we weren't back to filming until 2020. And, uh, and then in that break, I, I basically like rewrote the whole movie in a way. And then into something that was a little bit more streamlined and focused and something we could go and, and do. And then COVID hit and uh, we took another large break. We, we filmed that opening stuff with Calvin and Mark in uh, 2020 and then COVID hit. And that kind of gave us some time to not to be morbid about it, but that gave us some time to really prep extra hard. And then uh, that fall uh, we, we filmed the whole movie. Vinny, what what was your prep for this character? What what besides growing your hair out? What was my prep? Or did you just kind of just go balls deep and just? Well, it's not. I feel if I can just relate to a character, I can put myself in the character. I'm like, if I was a psychopath cult leader, I could probably do that. What would I do? It's so liberating. I feel when you're a crazy when you play a crazier person. Who's, I mean. Al's nuts, obviously, right? Absolutely. It's I can say anything now. Anything I say, if you're you don't know if I'm serious or if I'm joking or if the character like is gonna kill you or he's gonna kiss you or Alfred doesn't even know all the time what he's saying. I'm just out of my mind, (laughs) but just going more with energy, and then you could just so it's not so much prepping as it is figuring out what angle I can take. And you find like an empathetic attachment. Like I didn't do like a backstory. A lot of people are like, what's the character's backstory? I'm like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't, that's not the point. I mean, I could use, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. That's very important to do in certain situations, but not always. So not knowing, not prepping like a backstory actually helped me. Cause now I can say anything. I don't have to be tied to the backstory. Right. You know, I'm just liberated, like almost like manically in the moment at all times. And when you're playing a character that has to be a director, you have to be in that moment. You have to be observing everything. So you're, you're just in it all the time. Yeah. Do you, uh, Ian, had you always planned on, uh, playing the, the character of Calvin or did that kind of come, uh, more as a necessity so that you could be hands-on with the camera and, and control, um, the, the aspects of, of everything physically? It wasn't really a necessity, but it also wasn't my first plan either. I, I originally, I was, I was thinking of somebody else, who, uh, like an acting friend of mine. But then it came to the point where I, I just kind of wanted to play the protagonist and the writer in the movie. And I just want, and it, it wasn't out of necessity because I could have easily still shot the movie without having been a character in it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you don't see the cameraman uh, unless someone else takes the camera. But uh, it was, I just felt like, uh, why, why the heck not? And uh, no one can tell me no. That that's true. Uh, so this is a, a a question for for both of you, and I th- I think you might actually have different answers to it. Um, it script wise, did Grant ever actually get to go into the red room? Uh, like like it would there have been a moment in the movie where he went in? No, no, no. So, um, like so when, shit, like in real life, okay. yeah, so like, actually, yeah, because like I, I think going into the red room, or was he just projecting what he anticipated happening to him? And he's like, oh yeah, I've been in the red room, but yeah, because uh, I can tell you what yeah. I think. Okay, like how close was Grant to Al? Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, I do think Grant has been in the red room, though. In the backstory that uh, Brendan, the actor who plays Grant, what we developed was that. Grant wanted to be the one to document the behind the scenes of Alfred's movie, but because it's so sacred uh, that Alfred did not want Grant to do it and felt that Grant didn't have the skill or the the pathos to do it and that he chooses Calvin to essentially be a red shirt and uh, much like how he chooses Allison to be a red shirt before they even know it, you know? Um, and then from there it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, 
so we we, we kind of thought like, okay, Brendan and I came up with that. Grant is actually someone who doesn't have any talent, but he wants mm-hmm. to be involved, so he can only really be Alfred's assistant, and that is why he also steals the camera in multiple scenes. So he kind of okay. he, he feels a not betrayal, but a, a bit of like he res- he appreciates that Calvin is the one chosen to be the documentarian, but there's also a bit of envy. That's fair. Um, Vinny, in, in, in your character as Al, would you have let Grant into the Red Room? Or, or do you think you did? No, I, of course I would. Of course I would. Like, yeah. I, I, lo- I mean, I loved Grant. And I looked at him just, he was my little assistant. Like, so kind I of a little brother. Totally counted on him and let, let him in for sure, yeah. yeah. Is uh, the, the Red Shirt, is that, um, is that in... Uh, a reference to Star Trek by chance. It's a reference to Star Trek. And then the Tommy Bahama aspect was like, well, Alfred is what? Why are you? What? I didn't know that. <laughs> anyway, go on. Uh, okay. So it was like red shirts, Star Trek. Yes. And then Tommy Bahama red shirts because Alfred's retired. And this is like, his, <laughs> this is his retirement movie. <laughs> and, you know, I'm at the age, I'm at the age now where I'm a Tommy Bahama shirt wearing guy. I mean, I've never seen you wear one outside of the movie. Yeah. Um, We're my pajama bottoms and flip flops to the uh, grocery store quite often. Like like a robe style thing. Anyway. um, So uh, I I might be reading into this a little bit too much, um, and I'd love some clarification on it. (laughs) Does does the character of Al see himself as almost the, 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 Quentin Tarantino of of dumpster horror because you know there's the they both share the the ten film rule they're making their tenth and final film um, Al obviously has a huge fucking god complex uh, when when he's faced with the simplest of questions that any genre filmmaker is going to be met with you know like what's the responsibility of a director making a violent movie you know things like that you know when Quentin Tarantino was faced with those questions he answers in almost a not a similar way as al but in the same the same vein as it was was there any correlation between those two do you want to you want me to take this one yeah uh i i it wasn't so much that alfred is the quentin tarantino of his field so much as that i was um compelled by sort of the absolution of quentin tarantino and how I don't think he's wrong in his defenses. He definitely gets very emotional. I think that's okay because he doesn't get belligerent or he doesn't berate, but he does get very passionate. And I think the difference between Alfred and Quentin Tarantino is Quentin Tarantino doesn't need to rely on anyone else's opinions. Alfred is the the man he's made of in the moment is based on the last opinion he's heard of himself. So if um, someone yeah. tears him down, that's what he thinks of himself. If he has 20 people dressed like him to say yes to everything he says, then that's who he is. You know what I mean? I love that. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you. And then uh, what, like just a little cherry on top, uh, Josh and I, one of the co-producers, uh, co-editor, he plays Mark, the sound guy, actually recorded sound while he's playing the sound guy. He and I in post kind of decided while we were cutting is that Alfred is not evil. He is ill and he has no one to say no to him or to like pull him mm-hmm. aside and be like, what the fuck are you doing? You need to be locked up for a few days. Yeah, he's pretty delusional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Uh, since we were just kind of talking about the, the, the Charlie Rose esque interview at the beginning, uh, I would say there's, there's a lot of really funny moments in this movie, um, which you can't really say about many horror movies. Um, but the, the fuck your plant and the diving over the table, uh, Vinny, did, did you actually, did you do that stunt? (laughs) Yeah, no, I, he didn't even know I was going to do it. I just did it. That that wasn't in the script. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah man I was, we were just going and you know like we got he's like I think I got everything and we were getting to the point where mm-hmm. Ian was like yeah do whatever you want man let's, let's do one for you and I'm like alright I'm gonna start fucking around and then that's when I did that and, and then had, I remember he was like plants. right Thank but he God. was like Dude, I, I didn't even it was like a wide shot we gotta do it again now I mean so I think you were 
I did it on the wrong take or something. Well, you did the first dive. Well, and it's good to have coverage because I cut on the action. You yeah. did the dive on your single. So I just yeah. I just see yeah. you so go flying just- off camera. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fucking crazy. I'm so glad you didn't crack a rib or smack your head on a corner of a green screen stage. That, yeah. uh, that was very reckless. Um, let's get it in a wide now. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, it was like Bill's close up, and I did it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. No sense. Then, uh, and Ryan went to a uh, twenty four hour twenty uh, four hour Walmart the night before and just bought several of, of the same plants. So Vinny knew we had multiple plants. I did not know he's going to cr- grab it and crush it. And then because we had multiple plants, Beto, one of the PAs and one of the side actors, he just goes in and he's like, "Bring the other one." And then it's just like that's how it like like the mentality of Vinny is like, how do we make sure that this scene is going to end great? Like, how do we make it better than what it already was on the page? Like, how do we top that? And that's kind of the mentality that Vinny has with, as a performer. Well, you want to just hit the spectrum as far as you can and be like, as Ian should find something within this somewhere, (laughs) give him as much range as possible. And then like, you know, allow him to pick out with all the total different, like, takes we could cut an entirely alternate movie of like different <laughs> style performance that you would be change genres and do that make it like a a romance kind a rom-com of. Yeah. that might need to be shooting because i don't we didn't actually get any like i made sure there was no romance in the movie like someone wanted there to be a romance between calvin and allison and i was like that is what is get out of here <laughs> you know that it, it's interesting because i i could somewhat see and maybe it's just uh maybe that's just because uh you and Allison um just had chemistry as actors together but you know I I I was I was thinking you could have gone that angle and I'm glad you didn't you let their relationship exist in this like nebulous it is what it is but in and you guys you guys have that really beautiful scene together um where uh she says uh I just felt called to this project. And you were like, shit, yeah, me too. And then before her final scene, you guys have that other moment in the dressing room. And and you guys have brilliant chemistry. And that leads me into my next question. And that is uh, her character and Theo. Um, both very, very good actors. As As a director, how do you direct... A, a a good actor to be bad because like in the table reads in you know the first takes of all of their their scenes that you guys are shooting they give objectively shitty performances right okay so the first time we were filming uh, a scenario like that was the mm-hmm. dining room table with with the candelabra and alfred is Braiding a uh, 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 Theo played by um, uh, Seton Edgerton, and then uh, Ileana Apostolova plays Allison. And I literally remember, like we, like I told him to kind of play it up, kind of like a uh, early Bruce Campbell, not Evil Dead Two and on Evil Dead One, where he's okay. not even sure he's the main character of the movie. He's just one of the <laughs> actors, you know. And he's got that line. I, I, I think I'm actually this might be a line in part two, but anyway, he's got that line where he's like, "I'm a man, and you're a woman, and maybe we." Oh, are uh, you, do you want me to cut that out? No, no, not at all. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, but yeah, just that like old Bruce Campbell style, like hey, how you know. And I I told uh, uh, Seton that I wanted that. But in the scene while we're filming it, Vinny would stop being Alfred and turn into Vinny and go, Seton, you're just being too good of a, a of an actor right now. You have to be a worse actor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like how many times do you think you did that? Like that was great. Because no, he didn't really. He he wasn't an actor. He's a lead singer of a band and a bartender. Oh, really. Yeah, it was my buddy. Yeah. And but I, like, I mean, as far as like, do you remember the moments where Seton is in character as Theo and Theo is playing Jimmy and you would stop and be like, dude, Theo, you're being too good at being Jimmy. Like you need to be yeah. worse. You got to suck a little weirder now. And then so we can make you be a good actor too. Yeah, man. I remember then, that was great. And then like a way to play into that is just to have Alfred also be berating uh, Theo. And so, like, the scenes where he's coming in, like, no, 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 what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Those are just moments where it's like, you just need little moments like that where Al is being aggressive. And then Vinny can just, okay, he, he, he walks up and starts whispering through a megaphone. Little, little idiosyncrasies like that <laughs> are the things that amplify that sort of, like, that, that needed tension, that it's not all going well. 
I just love the concept of whispering through a microphone. Uh, and I mean, in in the set is is so close together at that point. It's like you don't even fucking need one. Um, no. It's just it's just there's so many small moments in in your and I I it probably sounds like I need to get my lips out of your guys' ass, but it's there's just so many moments. I love that, it, by the way. That, Leave them in. Oh, there. okay, okay. Yeah. Um, th- there's just so many moments in the film that make this. Uh, so I, I'm going to go to one of my last kind of notes uh, since we're kind of on the topic. Um, uh. And my handwriting is fucking awful, so God, please bear with me. Uh, so found footage isn't really known for, and, and mockumentaries aren't really known for their their good writing. And I, I, found footage is my favorite subgenre of horror, um, but you know you can't beat around the bush with that. Um, even Lake Mungo has some very very bad writing, um, but there's there's just so many things that separate everybody dies by the end from the slew of found footage mockumentary films we get. And there, there's character and there's there's soul in it. And, and I think one of the things that does a lot of the work is the setting that you guys have for the compound. Um, how, uh, where, uh, it, that's something that can obviously, you know, make, make or break a film. And sorry, I've been talking for too long. I'm going to wrap this question up. Uh, where did, uh, how, how did you stumble upon the setting? Was it always an idea to be like a compound in the middle of a desert, isolated from everyone else? Yeah, absolutely. It was. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, the boring answer is I hired a location scout and she took okay. a bunch of information. <laughs> <laughs> not even joking. Uh, but the location scout had, had a father who is a rancher. And so he had a bunch of connections to ranch buddies. And we got put in touch with a bunch of people. Like, we got taken out to the desert where, like, some guys in MAGA hats came out, you know, like some weird ass shit. Uh, there was an old Western town in San Diego. And, uh, they wanted like way more money than their rent is even worth. And, and then I found Jose and the Santana family where we filmed the final film and he's just got such a diverse property. It's not a film set. He was literally just a dude and he's like, yeah, you can film here. And now we're friends. And uh, yeah, there's like, there's those corners of the property where there's kind of like this old Western quad and with like the, the dry goods and such the, the trailers and then there's areas where there's like a shooting range that kind of looks like a junkyard. There, there were like it, the, the property is it's much more renovated now. It doesn't even look like the same place. But when, mm. the, when we had it for everybody dies, it very much had a sort of like a, a scrappy scrapyard kind of feel. Like things are like like sort of sun sun baked out in the desert, you know, left to be forgotten. And uh, yeah, I, I love that. And then, but and those random animals, those dogs that fought for the head, just randomly. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, those dogs were genuinely scary. For the the the, the pighead scene, yeah, just any scene those dogs were in. Yeah, <laughs> remember the scene where they throw the pighead, and then the two dogs like, yeah, like, the fight over the pighead. That was just so just. You know what they, what they did after that? Like the one big thing. We didn't even know the dogs were going to be there, and they just it all just kind of like <laughs> unfolded perfect. Yeah, I've, I've had them lock the dogs up since filming there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the dogs took that pighead. With the mom dog took it off dug a hole and buried it oh jesus um <laughs> uh, i that that is cool uh so uh, Vinny, you know you you've kind of established uh that uh er, i mean earlier before we were recording um we were kind of discussing the the idea of of method acting in the the hawthorne effect stuff um yeah, but that wasn't I, on the george costanza yeah yeah um there's uh, i i don't think a lot of people realize how when you make a film a lot of times an actor's gonna wear a wig basically but i i there's the the scene at the end of the film where um first you you, you shave half your face for the the duality man thing which is which gave me a good chuckle um and then yeah. you 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 finish the job as an actor is there how did you feel about letting that part of your character grow? Cause I mean, as a human, you grew your hair and your mustache and your beard out for it. And then as an actor, you get to have your final moment before you wood chip yourself and, and you, you, you shave your entire face and head was, was that like cathartic for you as an actor at all to be able to do that for the character? Cathartic within the movie or within my head, within the movie. for yourself as an actor, did you feel that that kind of helped you let Al go? Oh God, whenever you shave your head completely after a big beard, it's literally 
coming out of a shell or shedding your skin and being a new version of yourself. So yeah, I save those moments. I, I do that on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I grew my beard up for a year once, and then all of a sudden I made a video shaving it off, and I just, like, all right, everything that sucked about me is gone. <laughs> I'm going forward with cool shit now. And that's how, yeah, I would say yes. Okay, yeah. that's fair. But you think so, man? I mean, don't, have you ever shaved your head? Uh, just not, my, head, not, my, not my head, no, head. but I, I've, I've gone from thick mustache to no mustache, so I. <laughs> Same thing, man. Yeah. Same thing, you know? Sometimes when you have a long sleeve and you want to make it a short sleeve, you're like, look how cathartic it is for my forearms. These are new guys. Same thing. But yeah. Dramatic that's change. Kind of, that's kind of why we did that moment too. I, I mm -hmm. remember when I was in high school, a dude, his a dude's grandpa died. I don't remember what his ethnicity or nationality was, but when his grandpa died, he just buzzed his whole head and he said his tradition. Mm. Just like kind of like start new or something like that. Interesting. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, so, in, uh, kind of on the topic of things found footage isn't known for, um, and that's well-crafted shots. A lot of the times it's just someone running around with a, cam a handheld camera, uh, and one of the, uh, this is just going to sound like, again, I'm just trying to kiss your ass. Um, the, one of the most beautiful scenes I think I've ever seen in found footage is when Al is, uh, not feeling well the night before shooting and he's laying down. And then there's the shot where the the uh, the camera is just on him. Half of his face is lit red, um, yeah. half of his face is black, uh, or, or just the absence of light. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about how you you came up with with that exact shot? Because it's just it's so well crafted, and, and I'm I'm not saying that it feels out of place for the film. It's just something that you don't expect from a found footage movie. Yeah. Pause for a second, real quick. Brennan, yeah. look left in Ian's frame. If you want, if he pans a little more left, that's where the scene was shot. <laughs> look at this. Whoa, that's where oh. the scene was shot that you're referencing. There, boom. Huh? Oh, so that that wasn't shot on the ranch. No. Okay, so was... a little side side thing. There were three <laughs> different locations in the movie that were all in like about like. 30, 45 minutes from each other. One was a, in downtown San Diego. There was a basement studio that we had. It wasn't a studio, but we used it as a studio. Okay. Uh, and then there was my mom's condo. And then there was Jose's uh, ranch. Gotcha. And then yeah, anyway, uh, so now back to your, uh, sorry about that. Sorry. To just, yeah, sorry. sorry. About that. Uh, what, what, uh, what, what was the, the summary of the last question again? Um, yeah. So uh, that the, the shot of, of Al laying down right. half of his right. face lit red. Yeah. Okay. So I think that, okay, we had that lava lamp there and then under it, we put a paper lantern with a red bulb and that was the only lighting we had. Uh, we, we, that was like, I think it was about four pages of dialogue. We rehearsed it pretty well and to the point, and we did it like several takes of it. I think it's about a, a five minute clip with no cuts. It's one of the few five minute scenes with no cuts in it. And I think the idea was just that this is a moment to stop the pace before it gets crazy to realize that Alfred is a human being. And mm -hmm. that, like you said, he is, he, he's cut, he, the characters kind of become an anti-hero with the audience's reaction. I think because he's so empathetic uh, in that, although you you know, you could be a filmmaker who's not murderous, but you could still relate to some of the, the, the perils and the emotions. And it's just a vulnerable moment of him talking about like, yeah, he's talking about how he's got like the shits, but like, really he's just sort of talking about how he's nervous about something he cares about. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that anybody can really relate to. And then the fun of it was just that the the version of the scene that we used is not even how it was scripted. We we didn't even do the scene in order anymore. We just knew it so well. And this is a, like a, the summary of the the writing and acting and the co-authoring in general is that we just knew it so well that we could do whatever we want. The script is to know the objectives and the plot points so we don't just do a 20-minute scene and, and lose audience interest, mm -hmm. but to be able to find the most organic moments and I think that was one of the last takes we did. It's my favorite scene in the movie and uh there's there's little things like Vinny was like, hey, do you uh, do you ever see Brendan? Do you ever see Grant in in the scene? And I'm like, I can, we can. And he's like, all right, just just remember that. And then while we're running, he's like, hey, Grant, you take a sip of the of the tequila. And then we get Brendan taking a sip of mm -hmm. just those little moments like that. And uh, it really it brings it all together because we're all we're all just playing pretend simply. And uh, I, I don't know, I like that moment because they, they both speak to each other on an eye to eye level, Al stops being 
egomaniacal and reveals how vulnerable he actually is. And he also lets Calvin in as a peer. And I think that's something that is just kind of special uh, as far as like uh, mentee and mentors. And that's kind of like the relationship of Vinny entering the everybody dies movie is it's sort of analogous to, to me wanting to to work with Vinny and, and make something cool together. And, and that he has experience and talent and that I'm, you know, eager and wide eyed. And, and so these kinds of things start to mirror each other. And, uh, and I think people can sense that sort of honesty within the fiction. I don't, I don't know. You want to know what else is cool about that scene and how rad fucking Brendan uh, <clears throat> is? He didn't know I was going to hand him that tequila at all. That was just all raw. And he just said, okay. Like, within the scene, if you make someone drink tequila that they're unaware of, they're like, <laughs> fuck, I will. I'm not doing a shot of tequila on camera. for You know what I mean? And, and I, then Brendan was like, I have to take a big gulp to make sure I have an actual reaction. Because he's like, because I can put him back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he's just he just did it. It was yeah, He's so rad, man. What a good actor. And I, I, I think improv buddy. What a good improv partner. What a what a just a great guy. What a great guy. He he seems like a really genuinely nice person. He's yeah. gonna be the next Tom Hanks someday. Like in twenty years, he's gonna be like Yeah. <laughs> um uh, I wanna talk uh, a little bit about <clears throat> I'm not gonna keep you guys too much longer, but just a couple more more points I wanna hit. Um the the cult of celluloid uh kind of reminds me a little bit again in a very in a in an obscure connection to uh the cult in uh the John Carpenter Masters of Horror episode Cigarette Burns I don't know if you've seen that I haven't but I'm going to watch this now uh, yeah it, it's about a, a cult that that is looking for a movie but the movie kills you um okay it, it, kind of like a like a the Polybius story you know the arcade cabinet oh yes yeah 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 kind of like yeah. Polybius with the film reel mm-hmm. yeah what was it called so, again uh, cigarette, cigarette burns. Yeah, it's uh, episode three, season one of Masters of Horror, I, okay. and it's uh, John Carpenter. It's pretty solid. Yeah, that, show, that show was good. I forgot about that show. It was fucking great. So, uh, uh, Vinny, you were you were saying you're not really, uh, you weren't really uh, a big horror guy. No, um, no. I mean, not like I'm against it. It's just you know, I just since I, I, since uh since being in this film and the 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 Benson and Moorhead films have you started to like branch out and watch horror movies or is it still just you'll do it on screen I'm aware of them and I just no no uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not I mean tell me a name a horror movie that you think I should have seen uh, uh <laughs> like uh, even that too, I've seen that one okay. what what the the Campbell guy what's that guy's name Bruce Campbell. Campbell. Bruce Campbell. I know who that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for the most part, no, man. That's fair. Um, you know, a lot about you, horror movies. You, but, but, you also, but you still have an eclectic taste. Like, you'll recommend me movies that I've never heard of. Like, I remember you told me to watch Six String, Six, uh, String Samurai. Six String Samurai is dope. Yeah, that and I fucking amazing. love that movie. Yeah, I love that uh, movie. I watched that for reference for my next film. Yeah. Yeah. Are you did, impressed? Um, did uh did everybody dies by the end run the festival circuit at all yeah okay how how did uh so uh, i um i i know that some of the people that listen to this show are aspiring filmmakers and i've i've written scripts put them in film festivals um you know i've 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 run that shit but how how do you find the festival circuit do do you find it to be disheartening at times i i mean you know because a, a festival can only take so many movies, and you know people understand that. But it's a very ruthless, uh, you know, at the neck industry. Yeah, you think? Well, I don't know. Um, I, I, disheartening maybe isn't the word I would use, but it, it is. It is competitive. Um, base. What I did was I just blind submitted. I used Film mm-hmm. Freeway and I submitted okay. to like the top genre festivals, and then mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember. One day I got an email from Fright Fest and they said, hey, we're going to take your movie for world premiere. And I was like, sweet. And we (laughs) went to London for that. And then from there, a lot of festivals heard about us through Fright Fest. And that kind of became our sort of engine of like getting into other festivals. Okay. That's fair. Um, uh, kind of a tangent question here, real quick. Um, did Ego Death run the festival circuit? Because I swear to fucking God, I saw Ego Death. Yeah, it did. 
Okay, because I, I was I was trying to find it through um, some old emails, and I I think I might have deleted it. But um, it uh, okay. it played it. Uh, I think we it went to. Do you know Octopus Marquee? Uh, I'm yes. It played there, and I, I'm not. Sh- I think it played in, in some other places too. But yeah, I can send that movie to you if you want to see it. Please, yes, because I, 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 when I was doing my research, I saw it and I was like, I this this looks so familiar to me. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, we've kind of hinted around uh, that you guys are ha- have some more some more projects in the work, and they have they re- they've all wrapped filming. Uh. Yeah, we're in post on on three fucking films right now. Um, okay, one film is completed, it, minus some tweaks on the sound. Another movie is near completion, and then I'm in post, but in no rush on the third thing, which is in sort of a fine cut stage, uh, not picture locked yet or anything. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to make sure that I that I covered everything. Uh, the boiled wine. <laughs> Actually, uh, r- real quick, that the the one the one more scene that I have to talk about um, when you guys first meet each other, um, uh, Vinny, you talk about the boiled wine, and then you do this very um, obscure thing that, uh, and you, you probably know what I'm even going to reference, but you uh, you cut a piece of steak, and then you hold it eat over it. you hold it over a candle, yeah, <laughs> and then you eat it. I don't get why that's such a big deal to everybody. People no, not to, I'm just to bring that up. I don't know why that's not normal for everyone. <laughs> I was eating meat all day. I mean, in real life, and it's cold meat <laughs> and it's raw because they didn't. They just cooked it to look cool, but they didn't cook it. So I'm eating like gnarly food, and I don't want to fake it. So I'm like, I gotta heat this up. That was really me, Vinny. Needing a warmer piece of meat, <laughs> so I didn't know he was going to use that. Like I got that scene twenty times. Like I just kept. I'm like all of a sudden I got to heat this fucking thing up because it's I'm getting sick of the cold raw meat. <laughs> Maybe a scented candle flavor will do it. Some justice, you know, yeah. So I'll do it again, man. Like I'll do it. <laughs> is it bad? Like what's the what? Why is that weird? No, I, I was just, I've never seen it done before. You, you've never cooked meat over a flame? I mean, that's very much how meat is cooked, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, usually when I eat meat, it's right when it's off the stove. There you go. I just brought it back to the, I just sent it back to the kitchen to get re, reheated. And I was the kitchen. So, <laughs> right, Ian? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, what about the, uh, the boiled wine? Uh, okay, so... <laughs> when we were in rehearsals, a memory came up to like uh, a friend's giving I had where uh, one of my friend's uh, girlfriend at the time, she was like, she was making mold wine, but that's not what she said. She said, I'm boiling wine. And then she gave me some and I thought it was <laughs> disgusting. Uh, first of all, who would want to drink wine with less alcohol content? And it, it, it evaporates the alcohol too. And then it's so you can drink more wine without getting as fucked up. And then I just thought in the rehearsals, we were like, you know, they're drinking something. Well, let, let, offer them some some boiled wine. And then that just ended up in the scene. There were, there, there were definitely some key things in rehearsals where uh, either Vinny or I, like a lot of times Vinny would do something. I'd be like, make sure that's in the final film. <laughs> is Is it difficult? to in in a positive way to work with an actor like Vinny because from what i can only imagine is every take he gives you gold and then it's your job to find which of those excellent takes you like the most thanks man every take i give you gold buddy did you hear that that's not true by the way but thank you cuz sometimes i give him what's the opposite of gold <laughs> shit well- <laughs> Isn't gold gold's not even valuable? It's just shiny. That's why we like it, right? I thought gold was like the gold standard. Well, it the, yeah, always right. valuable. Yeah, it's valuable because we decided. But as like a as an element, oh, in a minute. Oh, oh, I mean, ultimately, yeah. It's not, um, it's no, not as valuable I, as oxygen is what you're saying. I don't think that there is uh, any downside or difficulty to working with Vinny on. With the nature of everybody dies by the end, it uh, the interesting side of it is that each scene is a wonder. So you're kind of filming a new movie every take, mm-hmm. in that you are going to try new things and you're going to yep got a got a cutie. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. He's eating a cutie for for the listeners. <laughs> and then uh, uh, e- even on the uh, we've we've shot several uh, narratively shot movies since then, not mockumentary format. And it's although it it, it is lo- it takes longer and more coverage for a traditional single camera production, but it's essentially the same element of just like I'm always looking for idiosyncrasies. And uh, Vinny has nothing but idiosyncrasies. And so, yeah, like you said, he gives me a lot of gold. And uh, it kind of just came down to like selecting, okay, which version of the scene, although I love all of them, which is the version that now fits form and function for the overall movie. And a lot of the times on set, the, my, my biggest notes would just be, I love what you did last take. Now I need you to do it faster, louder, and just a little bit more intense. And let's get that same thing. Just like instead of five minutes, let's make it two minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, um, I have pretty much, I think, covered everything that I wanted. Is there anything um, before we sign out that that you guys wanted to talk about about this film? Uh, anything we didn't get to cover? Any any crazy uh, BTS stories? Um, crazy BTS stories behind the scenes. No, yeah. <laughs> there yes. is a there's a behind the scenes feature on the Blu-ray, but as far as like nothing crazy happened. I mean, there were there were sometimes like difficult people to deal with, but never on our actual crew. I think the the biggest difficulties were the other denizens of the basement that we filmed at. Hmm. There was like at one point the security guard went rogue and was just like looking for anyone in our crew with a hoodie that was like accusing us of stealing his lumber. And it's like, dude, who the <laughs> fuck would have walked out with your lumber? Do you remember yeah, that video? We got that basement for such a good deal. Made sense with the uh, other elements that were going on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then we never filmed down there again. I think that, pl- that place got shut down. I think it was. Yeah, it was like a, like a squatting, almost like squatters live there. Yeah. Uh, not even okay. almost. Not even a almost. Movie that some, like, have, sometimes there would be scenes where like a homeless voice will say, shut the fuck up. Like to us, because we were too loud in our acting, our movie making. In in your paid location. Yeah, so that sucked as far as the audio was concerned. Uh, um, Vinny, does does this character kind of feel almost like a, a bit of a full circle moment for you? Because didn't you, uh, for the Arrow video release of The Endless, um, didn't you shoot the behind the scenes for that? I don't even remember if I did film. What was behind the scenes for The Endless? Um, I don't, there's uh, um, there's I, a I, special documentary, I think. Is that, I, but, but I think it wasn't actually a document. It was kind of like a goof, right? I don't, I, I got honest to God, you have to refresh me because I've never seen anything from that movie. Like, I don't, they don't like all the, the all the, I've never seen the DVD or like, I know there's like an extras element, but I've yeah. never gotten to see it or even know what is on it. Oh, yeah. Cause I, 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 was I filming myself on my couch? Making a documentary about something? I've never watched it either. I because the the Arrow version is is uh, B. Let me see. Oh, uh, work. See, yeah, because I, I, I yeah I, 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 I don't have one copy of anything I've ever done. I don't think. <laughs> I'll get you a copy of Everybody Dies. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Fuck man. Um. Oh, there's an audio commentary with you. I have the I have a painting I did for Resolution that's. In my possession, you guys won't see it. Are you guys, have you that. seen Resolution, Brendan? Uh, I've seen it once a while ago. It's worth oh. a revisit. Well, here, Ian. Ian, did you know I had this? Let me see it. It's right there. That one. That. What is that? In Resolution. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't recognize that. Well, it was in there. But uh, yeah, so uh, if anybody wants to watch Everybody Dies by the End, and uh, from this conversation, you can probably tell I highly recommend it. Um, it is streaming on Tubi, uh, but you can also purchase a copy uh, directly from Ian. Ian, I'll, I'll put it in the the summary for this yeah. episode, but uh, it, what's the website? Childrenofcelluloid.com. And, and celluloid is spelled traditionally, and children is spelled like children are spelled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but you know i highly recommend everybody go watch this movie um ian and uh by proxy Vinny, uh because of you guys everybody does die by the end 
Um, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. This has been the highlight of my year so far. I know we're only 16 days in, um, but uh, you guys have set a very high bar for the rest of the year. So if the rest of my year sucks, it's because of you guys. Um, <laughs> thank you, and I'm sorry, but, but thank you. Um, yeah, I'm stoked that we would were part of the highlight as opposed to, hey, you guys ruined my life. And I'm like, I don't want to be connected to that energy, man. I'd rather be connected to a high energy. Uh, well, if um, you find yourself sliding down a little bit, just we'll do another podcast, talk about some other stuff, and we'll bring you back up again. Hell yeah. Yeah, right on. Um, uh, but that being said, uh, this has been another episode, a very special episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the one-take Jake of the Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, uh, give us a follow on Twitter at of Red Rum. Uh, you can find the link to our Discord and our letterbox and shit in there. Um, and give us a rating on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. We're like 30 reviews away from being able to become tomato certified. And that would be so cool. So, uh, so uh, but yeah, that being said, uh, go buy this movie, go watch this movie, and stay spooky, folks. Later.